0: So before I get started real quick, I just want to kind of give you guys a quick update of what's going on with Open Door. And uh, it's amazing some of the lanes that God is pulling us into. Uh, we've opened, a year ago, almost to the day we opened our first sober living house um, to help guys get their lives together, get their families back, their kids back, um, correct the, the wrongs of their lives, the the directions they were heading, that kept them incarcerated or homeless or something of that sort, um, you guys all know that I have 20 years clean myself, and so uh, these guys are a, a passion for me to want to walk with and, and love on and, and mentor and, and be a part of their lives, and, and it, the interesting component of it is is that because of the job that I do as a pastor, they get loved in a very different way. Right? We tell them constantly, you're not a paycheck to us. You're not, right? you're not just a bed. You are a human being who deserves to be loved and valued. And, and in part of that, some of the guys have come to know who Christ is as an example of the ways that we walk with them. Right? And, the, and the things that we do um, and the ways that we have to teach them how to shower, right? realistically. How to bathe and, and wash their bodies. How to use a towel because they've never used one before, right, or give them a towel for their very own, This their very first towel they've ever owned themselves, because they've come from group homes or some other place where they shared everything, and here, we're kind of walking with them in a sense that, like, I tell them all the time, you are a child of God, and you deserve to be loved and appreciated and valued, and so we don't buy, like, the little cheap $99 beds that you can get from, like, the mattress outlet, like, we go, and they all think that they sleep on tempur They really sleep on, like, Sealy Posturepedics, right? But close enough, right? It's a good, it's still a very, very, very good mattress that we put them in, um, but the homes are beautiful. We actually just opened our second home, uh, like, May 15th, and so now we are walking with about 20 guys um, in this, and, uh, The thing that is really been good for us, but it's also been very difficult is the success rate of our homes, right? That because the way we walk with them, we we take them everywhere, right? There's no excuse not to succeed, but we take them to court. We make them, if they have jail time to serve, we make them go serve their jail time. If they have kids in this world, we make them pay their child support. If they have any reparations that need to be done, we make them go do it, right? And I tell them because... We want to be law-abiding citizens in this world. But we're also going to teach you the love of Christ. And so um, so we've had a huge success rate in the county systems. County loves us, right, as a result of that. We've, um, through the power of Christ and prayer... Some of these guys have been restored mentally for the most part because some of them are really far outside the box when they show up to us um, and we don't kick them out or throw them away. We nurture them and we love them and we try to bring healing to their minds um, in that as well. Uh, Pastor Patrick has gotten the chance to meet with a couple of them and and see them and and get to hear their stories Um, and, and so it's been an amazing thing to walk with these guys uh, we, are, we are built for 35 with the two homes that we currently have. So that would be 20 in one house, 15 in the other. It's a lot of bodies. Um, it's a lot of men, right? So it's a lot of stench every once in a while too. Um, but we also do a food ministry, uh, and the guys participate in that. It's one of the requirements of our home is you're going to give back to the community that you took from so much, right? And we feed roughly about 2,000 families a month. Um, it's a huge production we feed, uh, we get food from, like, five different food banks out here. Did not even know there were five food banks out here, but there are. Um, and we get food, like, we have food coming out of our ears, right? Like, it's ridiculous. I'm like, there's no way anybody should ever be hungry with as much food as they give us, right, to get rid of. And it's like, but there still are people who are starving in Stockton. And so we, uh, we got the city came and shut us down at the first location we were at. We have now set up a new location out in the Conway area of Stockton, which is off the A Street. Still a pretty rough neighborhood. Um, it's low-income housing, but we are getting to walk with those families and love on them and feed them as well now. And so, no, it's, it's truly been a blessing to, to be able to do the type of ministry that we're doing now. Um, There's nothing more rewarding than seeing a man get his kids back, right? We have a guy who had his kids taken by the system. Ooh, I just got chills saying that, right? Taken by the system uh, because of his crimes. And now he is getting home visits at our home with them. And as soon as he gets his own place, he will have overnight visits, which then turn into he has custody back of his kids. You know what I mean? And... That's all through the power of Christ, right? That's all through his work in the lives of these men. I do nothing other than show up, but it is all Christ that does everything with these men, you know? And so um, if you would love to come and hang out with us, we'd love to have you, right? We need help with getting sheets and blankets and towels and lawnmowers and all this stuff, right? There's normal everyday stuff that we take for granted that, that we need help trying to acquire, right, and so we need rides for guys that need to go to court, and to domestic violence class, and to doctor's appointments, and so like, if you want to come and hang out, I'd love to have you come, right, and love on these guys who don't know what love looks like all the time, and share Jesus with them, and show them what he looks like in the flesh, right, to to accept them right where they are, despite the crimes that they have committed, despite the things that they have done to people in the past, as they try to now reconcile their lives with Him. And so, I just wanted to give you a quick update because God is good. Now we have other cities calling us to come set up homes, which is an amazing thing because of the, the name we're making for ourselves here in Stockton. We have other cities that want us to come. And set up houses there too. So only God's will is going to happen here. So we just keep praying and we keep moving. And if he wants it to happen, it will. So thank you. Today's passage is this from the Sermon on the Mount. It is the Lord's Prayer. Starting at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let us pray. Father, we come and we are so grateful for who and what you are, the things that you do and the ways that you work. We pray that you slow us down to stop and see you, to hear you, to love you. Pray that you are honored and glorified today. We pray that you are exalted to the highest because that's what you deserve. We pray that everything that is spoken is of you and not of the enemy. Father, I pray that you remove all distractions internal and external from us so we can solely focus upon you. We thank you for everything that you do. We love you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is an interesting prayer. I was uh, texting Pastor Patrick and saying, man, I I thank you for this opportunity to be able to come and wrestle with this text because it has been life-changing for me. I don't know if you're like me, um, but I've never actually really looked at this prayer. I apologize. I know I'm a pastor. I've preached on the Sermon on the Mount probably 10 times, right? Because it's one of my favorite Sections of text, and when we do like particular readings with guys and they're in recovery, I have them read this book. Um, and they have to read certain parts of it like 30 times in 30 days, right? And when I have people of faith who come to me, I always tell them, read the Sermon on the Mount for the next 30 days 30 times, right? And I even had to do a class in, in, in college where we did the Sermon on the Mount, and I had to memorize the Sermon on the Mount as my final, right? And so it's very embarrassing to say some of the things that I'm going to say right now because I've never actually really looked at it. When I do like these collaboration prayer things and we've gone through them, the partner that I'm working with has always done this part. Always. It's weird. I've never actually looked at it, but I've prayed it probably a thousand times, if not more. Right before this, Jesus in verses seven and eight, Jesus says, Don't be babbling like the Gentiles. Don't be using meaningless words because they don't get God's attention, right? And and, and so there's a part of me that feels convicted by this, and, and I don't know if you're in the same boat as I am, but babbling things that we know that we don't pay attention to or really take into what's being said. So I could pray the Lord's Prayer, I've done it at lots of funerals, I've done it at lots of church services, at different events, at at all kinds of places, and never really took a look at what was being said, what was being prayed for. When I was studying for this message, one of the the really smart theologians that I was looking at um, said, if you want to test your spirituality, pray. Pray. Like, huh? Pray. I mean my spirituality can't be tested by going out into the street and dealing with, with drug addicts and murderers and prostitutes and pimps and all these that's that's not a test of my spirituality. And what the guy ended up getting to was there's something that very different that happens when we are in session with God, in conversation with him. And when we look at this passage and what you 're getting at, when you look at this passage, you start to see some things that you may that may challenge what you believe to be true about him and the way that you 're coming unto him and so he talks about when we pray in a congregation, we are I am praying the person who is praying, I am praying for you to you so there 's a part of me that wants to sound good, and I can write out all this stuff and, and there 's all this stuff that happens. But when I'm alone with God, none of you are there. And none of you care about what I'm saying at that moment. And it has to be me and God. Me and God. If I don't know God, how do I have a conversation with him? I mean, I'm talking about really knowing God. So in Open Door, we're working, and I've told you guys this before, we're still working through the book, Immerse, right? And it's the book, the Bible, with no chapters and no verses, right? And the one thing I keep telling my congregation is the reason we're doing this is because I want you to know the true character of God. So we need to read the entire Bible. Every word I want read, I said, because there's going to come a point in time where somebody's going to try and tell you who God is or what he does or how he thinks or how he responds or, or, the, or the things about him. And you need to know his true character in order to speak up for him. You need to be able to speak up for him. And when I got faced with this text and some of the things that it was asking and then started paying attention to my own prayer life, I started to be convicted. Like hugely. This is another thing I think about. Jesus is teaching us how to pray here. He doesn't tell us how often we need to pray. He doesn't do that. He assumes we're going to. He says, "When you pray, Patrick talked about it last. Pastor Patrick talked about it last week. When you pray, when you fast, when you give. Right? There's these assumptions that these things are going to be happening. When you pray, pray like this." And I always and, and what I trip out on is when you look at the beginning of this on the Sermon on Mount and Jesus is got the uh, Jesus is doing some healing in the in the in the in the area that he's in. It says that he noticed there was a lot of people around him, and I know Pastor Patrick already talked about all this stuff, so I'm just gonna touch it real quick. When all these people were around him, he went up to this mountain and he sat down and he began to teach him the disciples were in front of him. So he's talking like this is a prayer for believers. This is how we pray as believers, and and the one thing that I always think about, too, is, like, there's all these other people who are hearing all this stuff that Jesus is telling them right now, like, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, and you're like, holy cow, what is he talking about, right? Uh, You're not allowed to cheat. You're not allowed to even think about another woman, right? Or it's adultery, like, there's all these things being taught, and these people who don't He's teaching us what it looks like to be a Christian, right? Christian character, Christian lifestyle, right? So like when he's talking about this, or I can't use the word Christian because he didn't, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And when he says, pray this way, there are people who are sitting around him listening that aren't following him like the disciples are. They're just on the outskirts listening And that may be true for some of us in here today, right? We we don't know, like we can say, oh yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, I follow him, but do we really? Or are we the ones that are sitting on the mountaintop behind the disciples, just listening, touching our toe in the water, just kind of getting a temperature of it to really hear the things that Jesus is asking of his followers to follow him? He says, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Jesus never used any word other than Father. It was the only way he knew to acknowledge God was with the word Father. Father. Some commentaries, some smart people say this was a very affectionate way of using, the way Jesus would use it, it was a very affectionate way, almost like daddy, right? How many of us come before the throne of God and know that God is our father? That we're not creating this distance between us, right? Like, Oh, God, oh, merciful, masterful, right? Like not not, I mean not. having separation in the way we perceive him because perception is everything. But can I come before the throne of God in my prayer and say, Father, and mean it, like I'm talking to my physical life dad. Like I'm talking to him, Father, can I come to Jesus or to God in the same way? Can I come to him? This is what Jesus is telling. Come as father. Don't create separation between you and him, but come to his feet. He says, let the little children come to me. Can we come to him as a father? And then it says our, right? And this is crazy because the hour shows us that we do this together. I don't pray in isolation away from everyone else, though I do have my own individual prayer. I'm praying knowing that we are all the family of God. That we are all doing this together, walking through this together. There's a a commonality between us, right? I I like to tell some of the guys that I work with, right, like, When you follow Jesus, you need your brothers and sisters to hold you up because sometimes you're going to be under attack and you're going to be the only one by yourself and you need to know that there's people with you who are going to love and support you and walk with you through this because they believe the same thing in the same way. They do. They believe the same thing. And so when persecution and suffering come, these brothers and sisters are going to walk with you because they're experiencing it too. in heaven. God is still king though. I was thinking about like the Andy Griffith show, right? And this is like the perfect example of what this looks like, right? Opie, right? Loves his dad. He does. I only know the show because it's every once in a while, it's on my TV. I don't watch Opie, right? Or I don't watch the Andy Griffith show. It's just on my TV sometimes, right? And, but when his dad speaks to him, he listens. And he says, yes, sir, no, sir, right? He's very honest with, there's this relationship that he loves his dad and he's gonna tell him what he needs to tell him and he's gonna be honest with him, but he's also gonna receive his authority, his kingship, the Lord of his life, he's going to receive it. And that's the same thing. And I'm not saying that that's what happens in this show. I'm just using it as an example of what that looks like, right? The, The respect he has for his dad still. It's not like, oh, daddy, and then all of a sudden now we're like best friends and I don't listen to what you say, right? I still have this respect for you that I hear you and I listen. Hallowed be your name, hallow, reverence, holiness, your name. And this is one of those places where like I really started to get convicted when I started to read this. I mean, I also got convicted in the father part because I do talk to God as or, like God, right? And there is sometimes in my mind this separation between us, even though I know He's here with me and He loves me and He wants to hold me, right? But in this name thing, right? Names don't matter really to us. Very few of us, we really took a good look at what the meaning of the character of our child was when we named him. Most of us go, Susie Lopez. Ah, that's okay. Cynthia Lopez. Right, we hear how the name sounds with the beginning, and maybe my family is just weird like that. But that's what they do; they're putting names out and they're hearing how it sounds and thinking about does that Does that flow when I need to yell at him? Because they say that if I need to yell, I say, "Cynthia Lopez, get on here right now." But in this time, names were character driven. And so when we go through the scriptures and we see God have like a hundred names, these are all parts of his character, right? And so when it says, hallowed be your name, like names matter. And the way we approach him matters. And can we talk about his character by the name that we're using when we're speaking to him and coming onto his feet and saying, Father, help me. I know that you are Jehovah Jireh, and you are the one who provides. And right now we need provision from you because we can't do this by ourselves. But like, can we understand that when we're coming to him and we're struggling with something, the names that he has, we can call upon and know that the character that comes with it is given. kingdom come? Do we really listen to the words that we say in this prayer sometimes? Your kingdom come. Are we asking for God's kingdom to really show up? Do we really want God to usher in his kingdom right now? Life as we know would change do we like our lives, do we want it, I mean, I'm not the one that thinks, but there are people who think, man, when we go to heaven, we're going to be floating on clouds, and playing harps all day, like, or we're going to be in, like, a church service all day, right, like, those are things people say, like, I don't want God's kingdom to come, I want to wait till I'm dead, and get there, right, I don't want it to come in, but we're asking God, bring your kingdom now, your kingdom come, No more suffering, no more pain, no more sickness, no more murder, no more rape, no more struggle, no more nothing, like just peace and love in you. Like it's our greatest hope to call on the kingdom to come. It's our greatest hope. Like, God, God, I can't wait for your kingdom to get here, but do we really want it now? I ask people all the time, like, if God could just push the button and bring you to heaven, would you want to go? And they're like, "Uh, not yet. Why not? Right? Like there's all these things of like dealing with this. Do we really want it? Like, are we listening to the words that we're saying? And then it says, your will be done. Oh, my will is gone because I'm praying for God's will to be done in my life. Your will be done. Like we're praying for that when we say this. Your will be done. And in, in, in I don't know about you, but like sometimes I know I nine times out of 10, I'm coming to God in prayer because I'm in pain or someone in my life is in pain or in need. And, I, and now all of a sudden I wanna be praying, your will be done because this situation that I'm praying about, your will be done in this situation. And what if it is if I don't like it? What if I don't want what God's will is at that moment? Because what if my will my God, God's will is that somebody has to die in that moment? And I'm over here praying, "God, your will be done." Do I really want that? But God is going to work in that, right? It says when we pray, "Your will be done," like all of us have to be, we become obedient unto the Lord. Know about you but I know for a long time I ran from God's will and the call God had on my life it's like praying for patience right I was always taught don't pray for patience because God's gonna make you wait on everything right well maybe I'm the only one that experiences that but when we start praying for his will God works in it and he starts to remove the things that hinder us from being in it. (sighs) What if the things that hinder me from being in God's will are the things that make my life real good right now by my definition of real good? Because we do in some senses have this Santa Claus vision of God, like God wants me happy, God wants me comfortable, God wants me safe, God wants me this and God wants me that. And I have to, I have to tell my kids, check it out, God doesn't promise you the American dream. He doesn't, he doesn't promise us 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and a $100,000 a year job and the little, well, with the cost of gas, $200,000 a year job and the little dog running around. He doesn't. But as he promised me his persecution and suffering, so do I really want to pray for God's will to happen in my life? But he, when we pray this, he takes control. One of the commentary I was looking at says, he gives us a gracious violence. Ooh, a gracious violence. I don't even know what that looks like. I mean, he's like a spanky. Psh, I'm sorry, I love you. Psh, I'm sorry. I lo- no, I don't know what that looks like. But it says that he gives us a gracious violence in our life. And so all three of those are geared towards exalting God, lifting him up. And this is where like the thought process of when I started praying. So my wife suffers from real bad anxiety ever since we got covid uh, last uh, last halloween right right after halloween came we got covid my wife started to get really bad anxiety and my we babysitted our grandkids the other day and they were sick right so my wife thinks every time something sick someone's sick it's covid right cuz she's a, she has this health, she has an unhealthy fear of it right now right and she doesn't know how to shake it and so my grandkids were sick, and I could see the panic and the, and the change in her eye with the anxiety starting to heighten, right? Like, for real, for real. And I walked outside, I just went, and this is while I'm working on this text, right? Like, literally working on it. I walk outside, and I lean on the truck, and I just start praying, God, help my wife, please. And then I went, wait a minute, I forgot, to, I didn't exalt God yet. Like, why am I bringing my, my selfish desires before him without even coming to him and thanking him for the beautiful wife that I do have and the grandkids that I have and the lives that we live as a result of him being a part of it, like thanking him for, the, for everything. And um, just, God, you need to hear what I want. Like, there is no exaltation to God. God, I just need you to help me right now. No, like, Jesus like, check it out, bro. You need to exalt him first, the Father. And then we bring our cares and our thoughts behind because it's God first, not me. Our theology gets twisted like that and we make it about us and not about him most often. God, you're here to serve me, make me good, make me happy. Forget your glory, forget your plan, forget your purpose. Even though you're the creator, it's about me and what I want. He says, give us today our daily bread. And I'm like, oh, this is the easy one if you're poor. If you ain't got nothing, this is easy to pray. God, I ain't got no food. We need to eat today. We need pay bills, we got rent, we got electricity, we got all this stuff. Help a brother out. Give us this day our daily bread. Bless you. But what about when you got stuff? What about when you're comfortable? What about when you have storehouses on top of storehouses, on top of storehouses, and then you go rent a storage outside too? Are we asking God for our daily bread, for the needs of our life right now, for the things that I'm enduring mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? God, are you, can you provide what I need? Oh wait, check it out, I got it, God. I got enough food. I got enough money. I got enough of you already too right now. I don't really need to come before you. It's good. Because these are the things that I started thinking about as I was thinking about my prayer life and how often am I really coming before the throne of God and putting something before him because I'll wait until my, my resources are exhausted before I'm going to come to him. Just keeping it real. How many of us do the same thing? Like, I got this. And until I'm out, I'll talk to God then. Some of us have a lot. So then it's like, do we really ever come before the throne? Do we? And it's not for me to judge. I'm just asking the question, right? Like, you have to be the one that wrestles with it for yourself, right? And so it's like, do I come before the throne? Asking for satisfaction in everything that I have been given by God. Because really, the reason why we have storehouse on top of storehouse on top of storehouse is because there is this gaping wound that never gets filled. Because it's us trying to fill it instead of God. God, what do I need for today? What do I need for today to be satisfied in you? And then can I share what I have extra with others? And sometimes I'm asking for my daily bread. I'm asking for my brothers who have nothing that I can share with. Check it out. I did a 40-day fast. I know that you guys talked a little bit about fasting the other day, or you might talk about it next week. I did a 40-day fast. 40 days. 40 days. I really did it because Jesus did, and I wanted to try to be like Jesus, right? I'm not going to lie to you. But you really don't have to eat very much food to live. You don't. But we'll eat six meals a day, right? We eat when we feel something. We eat when we're bored. We eat, right? There's all these times that we're eating this food. I'm guilty of it right now. I'm fat, right? Like, I'm, I'm huge. But... In, in the walking through it, right, you get to see just how often you really need to do something that we tell ourselves, I need all the time. And it's not our needs that need to be filled, it's the needs that God has for us. These are the things God thinks we need. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. If we talk about fourteen and fifteen real quick, it says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins your father will not forgive your sins. (sighs) What do you think I'm gonna say? I will say this is not a salvation issue here. When the disciples are sitting in front of Christ, and he's teaching them, he's telling them this, right? But imagine the other people who are sitting around him. I've been taking this as this is Daily forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I live in a broken world, right? And I think we all live in a very broken world that has, and it kind of goes with the next, that we have temptations and sin running around us constantly. And there are moments where we step into them and we participate in the sins that are happening. But do we have the ability when we get hurt too to forgive others? I've come across across a lot of Christians who were real good of asking for forgiveness for the things they have done, but they are horrible at giving forgiveness to people. And part of the question that I wrestle with is, do we not know the forgiveness that God gives? Like, do we not know it? And and you guys have heard me preach, it's like, if I understand the amount of grace that God has given me in order to be where I am today, be here standing present in front of you, can we at least give that much grace to other people who we experience in our lives? Like you guys have heard me say that, right? Like everybody needs grace. And I'll tell you, even if they don't know Jesus, they still need grace because this is where they start to see the love of the Father through us, right? By the grace that we extend to people who don't know him. And so can I forgive people who do damage to me because I've done damage to God and he's forgiven me. But can I forgive you for the wrongs that you have committed against me? And part of the theory is, if I can't, then maybe I don't know the forgiveness of the father. Matthew 18, the unforgiving servant. This guy owes the king a lot of money. Says like a thousand talents. And the king calls him in. He falls on his feet. He's like, God, forgive, or king, forgive me, please. I'm working on it. I'll get you your money. And the king goes, you know what? Check it out. I forgive you. Forgive your debt. He's like, yes. He runs out. He sees a guy who owes him a 100 denarii. He's like, you poor guy who doesn't pay me back my money. Get in jail now until you pay me. And the people who are around him hear this and they run to the king and they tell him the king calls him back in. he's like, hold on a second. Didn't I just forgive you of everything that you owed me? Why can't you forgive what's owed to you? You get in jail now until you pay me back. Do we know the forgiveness of the Father that we get through Jesus dying on the cross for our sins? And maybe there are some of us that are wrestling with this thought and saying, well, I'm really not that bad, so it's not that big of a deal, so maybe I can forgive people as much as I've needed. Saving or rescuing by God in order to be where I am but no matter how we look at it my saving still required the death of Christ on the cross for me to be saved no matter how little I think it was it still required Christ's death for me to be saved One theologian I was listening to or or, uh, reading um, said he compares this to the Peter foot washing story. And Jesus is washing Peter's, going to get ready to wash Peter's feet. And Peter's like, no, you're not going to wash my feet. If you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, no, you've already been cleansed. Your whole body doesn't need to be washed, just your feet. And if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And so this is like this daily forgiveness that I need from God of living the life that I live. And so let me put it this in like human aspects, right? Like we're a family, you're a family. And one of our kids does something wrong. I don't kick my kid out of the family for doing the wrong thing, but there is this barrier in the relationship until forgiveness is asked for and received, right? Like, it's about being holy in the relationship, or holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, not holy like H-O-L-Y. Holy, a part of the family, holy in the relationship, because there's not guilt and things keeping me away from everyone else because of what I've done, but... The ability to be joyful and whole in the relationship and be a part of everything, and, and this is where we ask God, forgive me, and I and I forgive others. And the crazy part is, it says, "Forgive me as I have forgiven others to the same degree." So if I give ten, I get ten back. If I give one, I get one back. But what is my understanding of forgiveness from God? It's shown in the things that we do in the way that we forgive others around us. It's shown. And do we know the true forgiveness of Christ? It's shown in the way we do it. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. we still live in a broken world. There's still temptations and sin everywhere around us. We're asking God, God, lead us, lead us. And sometimes we go into some rough places. We deal with some rough people, but lead us not into temptation. Temptation is good what you say? Temptation is good. It helps strengthen our moral character, right? It does. It brings our faith stronger. James, in James, it talks about temptation helping bring, creating perseverance in us. And so temptation is a reality. We don't pray for God to remove all temptation. We pray for God to remove the temptation that may cause us to fall. We all know, we all have our own individual ones of what that looks like. We're like, God, lead us. Take us where you want us to go. Do the things you want to do with us, but lead us not into temptation and deliver us. Rescue, right? Deliver, the Greek word, it's rescue. Rescue us from the evil one. the ruler of the power or the air, principalities and powers. Save us. Rescue us from him. Keep us in the palm of your hand. Temptation is around. Are we calling on God to help us to strengthen us, to hold us in those moments. This is Jesus showing us how to pray, showing us how to be more with the Father. But all of it only comes through his death on the cross. This is where we are healed and saved. By the work that he did on the cross for us. Which gives us the ability to call God father. Ask the things that we ask of him. And be in relationship with him the way we are. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who and what you are and the things that you do and the ways that you work. And so, Father, I pray that you are glorified in this and that you are exalted. And as we pray and seek you and bring our petitions before you, I pray that you hold us up. Gather us in. Hold us close. And love us. We thank you for everything that you've done everything that you're going to do. We just love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.